The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Upps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Peaky Blinders. Welcome back to the show, Blake Robinson. Hey, I'm back. As a life treating you, so you're out at the cafe, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I just stuck out. Ah, uh, yeah, full flight again. It's good to see. Went to the races on the weekend. Was that this weekend? Went to the races on the weekend for the third time in three weeks, which is good. Making up for lost time, finally. <laughs> That's a lot of racing. Packed too. There's people out. Ev- there's people out everywhere. No matter where you go, there's people out. It's good. Yeah, it does look like things are just. Anytime there's an opportunity for people to get out, they're like, yep, let's just go. Who cares what it is? We're going. Yeah, exactly. No, it's good to see. Good to see people out. Yeah, loving it. Did you get any wins? Yeah, I did actually have a few, several wins, you could say, which is also, you could say, making up for lost time because Melbourne Cup wasn't too kind to me that week. So it's always good to get one back. It's always good to get a couple back up on the bookies. Just recuperating losses from that week. Yeah. That's <laughs> you can say that. How's new house? Yeah, it's good. Now that everything's sort of settled in and the internet's all up and running, and yeah, it's nice, nice and quiet. You practically live in Mexico. Pretty much. Just north of the border, Nara. Now that the like bypass and everything's finished, it's good. Like get to Sydney with no stopping, basically. So take that. Don't have to deal with Albion Park rail and eight million sets of traffic lights for no reason. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I never go down that way. I am missing Taco Bell though. Taco Bell, another play of where I should actually have it tonight. I'm at a crossroads for dinner already. Taco Bell could be a play. Yeah, do it. Do they have like the Mountain Dew Berry Blast though? Like the frozen Mountain Dew? That's that's the reason you go to Taco Bell. I'm pretty sure they do. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Might get down there. I've got her. So what have you sort of been checking out the last few weeks? Well, um, Back with a bang is Tiger King 2. Yeah. How good was that? I wasn't sure what to, I just finished that. I wasn't sure what to expect, but it was so good. I reckon it was, like, it was a perfect little follow-up. Yeah. It did everything justice. They they did so much. I was so the research they did, like the people they tracked down for interviews is mind-blowing. Oh, they definitely put effort into the sort of documentary side of it, but I felt like I didn't enjoy it as much as season one simply because I felt like they were cramming so much into just five episodes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I seen it was five episodes and like, well, are we going to get a few more then? Yeah, you can, they did, or at least they didn't sort of, I don't, they didn't rush it, so to speak, just to, for the sake of having something. I think they put out what they needed to and we're probably going to get more. Oh, yeah, I imagine we'll get more. I just felt like they maybe should have stretched it out to like, maybe six or seven episodes so it didn't cram so much into each episode and yeah it could have been a bit more focused then i think even for the first two episodes 
or three were just their own sort of story and like bits and pieces. But then the rest of it were just focused on like that Tim Stark guy, hey, and like Jeff Lowe. Like there was sort of three episodes just on them. So they sort of stretched out those two characters heaps. And like there was definitely minimal Joe. I was a bit disappointed of how little Joe was in it. They sort of only had him in as the prison interviews, which was, uh, was a bit weird. Yeah, I guess they probably didn't have a lot of access to him, but like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's five episodes. They probably could have, like, if they'd stretched it out to six, maybe even eight, they could have done two episodes on the Tiger King season one and the fallout from that, two episodes on Carol, two on Tim Stark, and two on Jeff Lowe. Yeah, there wasn't much, there wasn't really much Carol in the grand scheme of things. Was she in it at all, like fresh interview footage? I don't know. No, nah, she didn't do any. She didn't do any fresh interviews because apparently she wasn't very happy with season one, which is fair. Like they made her look like a husband killer. Oh yeah, they are hundred percent. Wait, that was another thing. That was probably my favorite part of the the whole Tiger King two was the um tracking down the Don Lewis her husband. I was pretty interesting, but what's your what's your take? Everyone everyone has their own sort of opinion of what's happened, even though we don't know anything other than what we've just been shown. What do you reckon has happened to him? If anything, season two definitely opens a lot more options, whereas season one it made it look pretty solid that she'd obviously murdered him. But yeah, this one kind of opens up a whole heap of other options where maybe she didn't, maybe he did just run away and disappear. Gab, okay, yeah, big oh, big Cluedo vibes like you sort of choose your own adventure i've changed my mind about three times while i was watching it what happened to him but i think i've settled on that he moved to cambodia got in trouble with or was it cambodia no costa rica got in trouble with the wrong people and i reckon the cartels down there have killed him that's just my take yeah like those two episodes focusing on him i think were the best two yeah for sure i think you can confirm that carol didn't kill him i think that's pretty clear now I think there's enough evidence to say that he ran off to Costa Rica on his own accord. But then whatever's happened to him down there. And that's another thing too. They said he's probably just changed his identity because he can do that easily enough down there. Yeah. Because he's probably just living living under a new alias or whatever. But yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to settle with the cartels have killed him. Yeah, like I was saying, I feel like yeah, season two just it didn't answer any more question, any of the questions that we had coming out of season one. If anything, it just raised more questions and threw it more up in the air about everything. Yeah, which is what I'm not mad about. I was yeah, I didn't hate it at all. It was good. It was a good follow-up, I thought. I think they did it justice. But if you're looking for more action and it's probably not it, this is more like investigative of what's happened to everyone. It's almost a documentary about the documentary. Yep. It's definitely not as crazy and wacky as a season one. Whereas the, the original was a the original was more like a movie. Yeah. The season one was like a movie. And they just kept getting crazier and crazier. It's a weird world, hey. Like they, they're all the same, but they're all different. Season one, you're like, oh yeah, they're just, they're crazy exotic animal keepers. And then next thing you're like, oh, he's gay. Oh, he's running for government. And you're like, what the heck is it's going got three on? Husbands. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And then this one was just like, okay, no, these are actual people and these are like actual facts and things that have happened. Um, Carol was on Dancing with the Stars. That was pretty wild. I could, yeah, I, I actually, did you know that already? No. I remember seeing it pop up back when she got announced on it. Yeah, that's weird, eh? So they're just fully just 
proceeds of crime. <laughs> I wonder if that's another. I wonder if that's another reason why she couldn't go on this. Maybe she just signed to the network. Whatever Dancing with the Stars on there. Yeah, maybe tarnish Joe's image, so to speak. Like, say if if you sign on, for, we'll give you money if you sign on for us and Dancing with the Stars. You can't do anything else with Tiger King. Yeah, possibly. I love that. Like Dancing with the Stars were clearly just mocking her with the outfits and everything they had her doing. I'm like, um, that was so cringe, man. Do you not see that they're they're laughing at you? They're not laughing with you right now. It's just American and not sure. I think like if. <laughs> What's a show that you could show people like, at an Australian TV show and like, hey, this there you go, this is Australia. What's like an accurate TV show that's just typically Australian? Either you've either got like Steve Irwin, that's Crocodile Hunter, that's clearly like yeah. the crazy outback Australia. That's very Australian. I think for more like like if you want to explain Australia to like everyday Australian life, if you want to explain to someone, what would you show them? I think you're either showing them Housos, Kath and Kim. Or fat pizza. Yeah, oh, that's something you've actually nailed out. Yeah, that's pretty good. But then you got Tiger King. If if you want to know what America's like, is here's Tiger King. Kath and Kim, fat pizza, and Housos. I think they sum up the majority of Australian city life. Honestly, I just mentioned Summer Heights High. Summer Heights High is so accurate to school life in Australia. Yeah, like <laughs> so so accurate. I think maybe 10, 15 years ago, you probably could have shown someone Neighbours or Home and Away. Yeah, I was thinking that. Packs of the Rafters or something. And it would have been accurate. But, like, Neighbours and Home and Away now are so, like, outlandish and ridiculous that I don't feel like they show Australia that well. I actually used to watch a bit of Neighbours back when it was, like, really good, like, early high school. The old the Toadfish days? Yeah, like, 15 years ago, it was good Neighbours. Margot Robbie days, even. <laughs> But I don't, is it even on now? Is it still on? Mm, I don't think it's on, I think it's on like one of the digital channels. Like it's not on the main 10 channel. Yeah, I don't think it's on TV. But I see ads for Home and Away on TV. It looks so bad. <laughs> it just looks so far-fetched. Everything is OTT. Every week someone's like blowing up the diner or murdering someone. It's like, this doesn't happen in beach towns. Yeah, it's just out of control. But I've got stuck with mates right into it. Yeah, so like with Tiger King 2, I would say it's not like totally necessary to watch it if you enjoyed season one. But yeah, if you really did enjoy season one, I think you, you're not going to be disappointed with season two. Yeah, I, I, thought, it was a per- I thought it was a perfect follow-up. Like you wouldn't be, yeah, you definitely wouldn't be disappointed watching it. Yeah, I just don't think it would reach the same heights. It could be, it's a, could be a bit, you could find it a bit boring, if, but. And it's sort of one you've got to pay a bit of attention to. If you pick your phone up for two minutes and you, I reckon you've ruined the episode because you it's hard to get back into it. You just got to pay attention to it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be like that cultural phenomenon or viral hit that season one was when everyone was watching Tiger King. No, but it's an, it's an essential. It's a, if you were into season one, it's an essential follow-up. You've got to watch season two. Another thing too, I was... I'm thinking, well, is Joe out of prison? Like, I'm, surely I would have known about it. And like stuff like that, big things that you're waiting to happen in number two, like, well, I probably would have known about it already. I would have heard about it, like seen articles. So I'm not necessarily going to, there's not going to be any groundbreaking like breakthroughs here for me. No, there was nothing. I would have known about them. Nothing entirely shocking about it. Like they're not going to announce, announce Joe out of prison and like reveal the footage on 
the show right now, are they? Because we just know about it already. Yeah, he's definitely still in prison. So, actually, I was very interested in how that much effort they went to tip pardon by Trump. That was pretty cool. How they showed all that. And, yeah, they didn't uh, didn't get the greatest reception at the rally, though, did they? <laughs> I was um, yeah. Well, that's a bit rich from a Trump supporter <laughs> calling out <laughs> these Joe Exotic people. It'll be interesting to see, like. I feel like a season three won't happen until there is some sort of resolution in his case. It wouldn't be worth it because then people people are probably disappointed watching season two that they didn't see that he got out there. Yeah, you can't. I don't think they can sustain the popularity if they do another number three and like Joe's not in it, or if there's just a few prison interviews again. The ratings will be down big time. Season three has to be him either out or the conviction has been upheld and he's just staying in prison forever. Maybe Kim Kardashian can get him pardoned or get him released. She seems pretty good at that these days. <laughs> Isn't she dating like Pete Davidson now? Yeah, that's iconic. What the heck is going on? <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. Pete Davidson's a weird looking dude, but good on him. I reckon if you or me had a love child, it'd be Pete Davidson. <laughs> Probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's too much. <laughs> enough Pete. That's enough Pete Davidson for a Monday. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of other controversial figures, I watched the new uh, Netflix series Colin in Black and White. Have you had a chance to check it out? Have not. I um, he's one of those people I just can't stand. Not a fan of Colin Kaepernick. No. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, fill me in. It's a six-episode mini-series. I thought they were originally doing a, a movie. Uh, yeah, like the ad kind of makes it look like that. But, yeah, it's a six-episode mini-series, and it sort of is a dramatization of Colin Kaepernick's childhood and sort of the events that sort of made him become the, like, activist person that he sort of is at the moment. Yep. Each episode's about half an hour, and, yeah, it just goes through him as a high school kid playing all three sports, baseball, basketball, football, getting a crazy amount of scholarship offers to be a college uh, baseball player, but him just being determined to be, no, I want to play college football as a quarterback. And then all the sort of racism elements that come into that. So I enjoyed it for what it was, but also – it leans pretty heavily into those racial injustice issues. And um, yeah, it's sort of what you reckon it lost touch of the point. It just became at points, it becomes very preachy. And yeah. rather than just posing, here's an event, here's what happened, pretty obviously a racist encounter, let the viewer make up their mind. It's like very, like, no, this is why. And, goes into the background of everything. It's like, yeah, probably a little bit too full on with getting your point across. So mm. like, I felt like it struggled between, are we a drama series that's just posing these questions at you and making you rethink your own interactions with uh, African-American or black people? But then other times it's like, no, I'm trying to be like a documentary and inform you on the history and all the politics that lead up to these events. And it's like, mm. yeah. So where, where are we falling here? It's kind of 50, 50 doesn't really hit the mark that I think it should have. Yeah. 
where if they'd just gone full drama, I feel like it would have been much more effective. Yeah. So they're just overtaking the whole thing with, but then again, though, that's what his whole life has been for the last five years. He's just completely like, I think lost touch with the thing and he's just ran with it, so to speak. I don't know. Has it got any football, much football in it? So you'd be disappointed if you went watching on a bit of sport. Oh, yeah. If, if you're watching this to see um, high school football or college football, like a Friday Night Lights, nah, not not going to happen. It's all like his life outside kind of like a that 70s show type thing, but obviously not the 70s. Really? So it's all like him at school and him just in the town and stuff. So it's not reality. It's actual fiction drama series is that that what you're saying yeah so it's like it's a fiction drama series but based based off his life and interactions that he had yeah right oh i thought i was thinking as a documentary series no that's and that's the problem where it's like at points it feels like a documentary and at other points it feels like a drama series and you're like where where we where we fallen here yeah right so like i enjoyed it for what it was and as an nfl fan i was like yeah this is really cool but then, hmm. yeah, as someone that wanted to sort of know more about Colin Kaepernick, it was just like, eh, this, this could just be any dude. No, I was thinking of another thing. You might, I don't know. I wonder if it's out or not. Did he have put something? It was, maybe it was like Nike were putting it out, like a documentary about everything that's happened. I think they put out like a like a mini doc, like a 10 or 15 minute YouTube thing. But Yeah, maybe that's, that's what I'm thinking of a few years ago. Yeah, that's, that's what got mixed up. Yeah, I had no idea they are doing this series, the one you just watched. I'll be interested to see if they, like, do a season two because it finishes. This one is all about him at high school and trying to get that college scholarship, and then it finishes right as he finally achieves that and then goes to college. So I'm interested to see if they come back and do a season two on his college experience and then maybe a season three on his NFL experience. Do you think maybe it's um, sort of been written in a way that he wished he's was brought up and he the way he sort of wanted things to go? No, like it, it seems to be pretty faithful to what happened with, obviously, as a black child adopted by white parents in Wisconsin, he's going to come in contact with some pretty harsh moments and racist things. But I was like, just seeing like some of the things that yeah. his adoptive parents said to him, I was like, Jeez, like you adopted a black kid. You can't say stuff like that. Yeah. So like interesting. And I think it might be. Yeah, it does sound actually intriguing. I think like because it was only six episodes, like it's not a huge investment for people to watch, especially when they're only half hour. I think six is perfect. I've decided six is just the perfect length of a series. (laughs) Because you can knock it out really quickly. it, It felt like a really good test bed for hey, if this is successful, we can come back and do season two and season three. A whole pilot series. Basically, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. There's some good stuff on Netflix at the moment. I think this is a perfect time of year for a day. They're just knocking everything over before end of the year. Oh, yeah, heaps of stuff coming out now. What else? I finally <laughs> finally started watching The Haunting of Hill House. I'm like three episodes in, I think. Oh, yeah? How are you liking it so far? Yeah, it's it. It's because um, I watched Blind Manor first like a year ago. But did I have to watch Hill House first before Blind Manor? 
no, they don't tie into each other, but they've got the same actors and same characters. I don't know that's what sort of confused me a bit. Like, hang on, is this some sort of a sequel? No, like they're totally different characters. It's just the same actors, so that's where it gets confusing. The people, producers, or writers from this series, they just put something new out, didn't they? Uh, yes. A movie out on Netflix. Um, Midnight Mass. Oh, is it Midnight Mass? Yeah, actually, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so the, the director is that's his third series. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that's sort of I've been, I mean, I mean, to watch me might be not mass, but that's sort of yeah, when I seen that, I was like, oh, maybe I actually will sort of pull my finger and watch it. Yeah, no, I still think Kill House was the best of the three series so far, but yeah, yeah, have you, you, I don't think you've got up to the really good episode yet, so I won't spoil anything, but there's one. There's a, re- there's a really good episode, is there? Yeah, there's one episode that's just crazy in terms of the story and the production value. It's all one camera shot the whole time. Really? Do you know what episode it is? I think it's like six, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, right. Cool. Okay. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. First up is Maison de Femmes. They are an online jewellery boutique dedicated to the lovers, mystics, and dreamers. They sell exquisite gold-filled jewellery that can be worn as everyday basics or stunning statement pieces. With Christmas fast approaching, a Maison de Femmes piece may be just the thing for that special someone in your life. Check them out at MaisonDeFemme.com. If you want a night filled with crazy stories and a ton of laughs, then Sam Wade's upcoming Sydney Comedy Festival show Mind Cave is not to be missed. Check it out at the Factory Theatre from November 4 and November 6. And finally, if you're in need of a new logo, event poster, Twitch overlays or emotes, or any type of merchandise designs, then look no further than LF9 Design for all of your graphic design needs. The team at LF9 Design can create anything you need to suit all styles and budgets. Check them out on Instagram at LF9Design. On the sort of cultural divide thing with the Colin in black and white. You were watching another movie that's on Netflix as well? Yes, I have. I do have something. Um, Passing, it's called. So it's um, basically it's black and white film. I'm assuming films in black and white. It's a new one on Netflix. Set in the 1920s in, I want to say, New York. Is it New York or Chicago? One of the two. Yeah, so it's basically about... It's, uh, it used to be, I think it used to be, I did some research and it used to be big back then. It's like it's the term called passing, which means basically passing was a term used to describe by African-Americans that could pass as white. Okay. Yep. Which is weird. Yeah. And then they sort of could fit into white society. And um, yeah, so this girl, and I like old school friend, she runs into her in the city and since she's she sort of like left everyone at her hometown and she got like married this like rich white man and like she's like a, a black lady that like passes for white and she like fits into like white society and all that and it's basically and she's hates her new life with like her new white life we'll say then um yeah, she just starts hanging out with her like black school friend again and like all the like the black community and yeah a lot of drama involved and all that and she's doing it behind her husband's back then the husband sort of, sort of like catches on to what she's doing. Like every time he goes away for work, she'll like go hang out with like all the black people again. And like, she just says she misses all that life. And um, yeah, it's basically him 
and she like he like tracks her down at like this party then drama ensues yeah it's um it was it was really good it did, it did feel like a um like a feature length short film okay yep so to speak like you know i don't know how to explain it you know if you watch like a short film like 20 minutes of i don't know just it was the first time i've ever watched something that it felt like that <laughs> i don't know it's weird to explain like it could even be like a very long episode of a tv show too not saying it was boring but definitely wasn't it was it was very um sort of like very artsy and like an art piece yeah it was a bit like that but it also it was filmed in a way that it made you a bit anxious not edge okay so which is a good feeling to have when you watch movies like i don't know uncut gems that sort of vibe and like good time like you never you don't not sort of not you're wondering what's going to happen next like nothing was clear and like anything sort of could have happened and yeah it's, it's a good feeling to have i think watching movies being on edge and a bit anxious and like not having any idea what's going to happen next and that's sort of the vibe was through this i guess with that story that they're trying to tell like that fits as well where she's obviously not feeling all too comfortable in the environment that she's in all the time yeah yeah that's yeah that's a perfect way of putting it yeah so it makes, sort of makes the view a little bit uncomfortable as well and just the way that black people got treated and spoken to and spoken down to back in those, like the, those days, like the early 1900s. Who's in that movie? So Irene is the main black character. She's played by Tessa Thompson. That's it. And her friend Claire, which is the the one that passes for white, she's played by Ruth Neger. Yeah, but I'd never – I think Tessa Thompson did ring a bell. Yeah, Tessa Thompson, I know. I don't know what she's been in. I do know her. I, I Like, I did see the, the picture of her and I was like, I know her. What's she from? But other than that, I didn't really recognise anyone. But, yeah, black and white movies are hit and miss, aren't they? <laughs> they're either – because I think they're a bit hard to watch and hard to pay attention to, so to speak, because we're just so spoiled with colour these days. But um, unless it's like a really interesting movie, you can definitely lose interest in it. I can, it's easy to like just not be captivated by. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, because we are so used to color. I wonder like if they did that purely to like show the contrast between the, the black and white characters. Yeah. I was thinking that too because obviously, I don't know, there's obviously more reason behind it, but uh, there's a black character that's white. <laughs> that makes sense. But I think you would have, you would have been tell it, able to tell the difference a lot better in most circumstances if it was in colour. Yep. Like that definitely did help with the storyline. But, yeah, I wonder what the reason was for it being filmed in black and white. I wasn't mad. I reckon it definitely made the movie a lot better. It wouldn't have been wouldn't have been as powerful, we'll say, if it was in colour. I think it would have been a little less of an appeal. I think the fact that it is in black and white sort of just adds to everything that's going on. So do you reckon it's, like, worth people checking out if they're scrolling around Netflix? Yeah, definitely. It's it's just something different that you wouldn't normally watch. Like I said, it's got the vibe of a 90-minute short film or mini-movie. It's in black and white, and it is one of that sort of you don't want to really take your eyes off and you don't really know what's going to happen next. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a good little one. Good little one for sure. But, yeah, like I said, black and white movies are hit and miss, and they're not everyone's cup of tea. Oh, yeah, definitely not. So I remember when you used to put the TV on after school as a kid and they'd be like a black and white TV show or movie or something on, you just couldn't change it quick enough. Like, there's nothing 
more boring <laughs> as a kid than this black and white. You're like, what is this tripe? Yeah, that's, I think they film most things in black and white too, don't they, in, with a black and white camera? I don't think they edit them into black and white. Uh, yeah, most if they're if that is the idea behind like they want to do a black and white film, they usually film. Yeah, I think that's filmed in black and white. Because, yeah, when you color grade it to be black and white, it can introduce all sorts of weird artifacts and issues. Yeah, with, especially with film, I suppose it's a bit different with um, photography. <laughs> Where you just edit a still image where it's like moving and different light bouncing off here and there. Yeah, it's a, an, it'd be a nightmare to grade. So you're just like, oh, let's just film it in black and white. Yeah, well, I'd seen, I'd seen the trailer for this one pop up on YouTube a couple months ago. Yeah, just all of a sudden realised that it came out. So I gave it a watch and, uh, yeah, it was good. Good little one. Like I said, something different. So, yeah, you watched – how long was that one? Like 90 minutes, did you say? Yeah, about 90, yeah. So, yeah, you watched a short movie. I watched two incredibly long movies. What'd you watch? The first one was on Netflix, and it's the new one starring Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot called Red Notice. I um, tried everything in my power to watch this. I'm notoriously not a fan of Ryan Reynolds. I don't know. I know he's just like a great bloke, and there's, he's just his humor. I don't know. There's something about it. Like, I'm not the biggest into funny movies and that, and like childish movies. But there's something about Ryan Reynolds. He's just, he's just a bit too silly for me. He's serious. I don't know, man. But and uh, the fact that Gal Gadot was in it really, like, I was really torn. I was like, damn it, I really want to watch her. <laughs> <laughs> but then The Rock was in it, so I was like, nah, stuff it. Yeah, it was it was a one out of three, so not enough to get you over the line. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the trial like three times. I was like, God damn it, I want to watch this, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, if you're not a if you're not a Ryan Reynolds fan, I uh, would yeah probably skip this one because he's in it. He's a bit much, isn't he? Is, is he very Ryan Reynolds in it? All three of them are just exactly what you expect from them, their characters. So Dwayne Johnson plays an FBI agent who's trying to hunt down and capture the world's most wanted art thief, who is Ryan Reynolds. And then along the way, this unlikely pairing have to join forces to then hunt down another notorious criminal, Gal Gadot. And it's like this weird buddy cop flick where all three of them just play the character that like they're most famous for. So the rock is, is just like the muscular action hero. that's just like beating people up and bursting through walls and stuff like that. Very, very rock, <laughs> very rock, very like fast and the furious. Uh-huh. Uh, then you, then you get Ryan Reynolds, who's just playing the like dude with all the, the quick punch lines and smart like comments and just constantly making bumbling errors, sort of very much like Deadpool. So he's just that Deadpool character took off and he's like, yep, sweet. I'm just doing that in every movie now. So he's doing that. <laughs> uh, and then Gal plays like this strong, powerful woman who's just like uses her beauty at time to, to take charge and win over the men that are around her. So Wonder Woman. And, yeah, she's just playing Wonder Woman but without superpowers. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever, I'm in. And I'm not expecting this movie to be like. Yeah, I won't complain. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be like a Best Picture nominee or anything, but for the hour and 50 minutes or whatever it is, it's a pretty fun movie. <laughs> they probably could have cut a little bit out of the middle where. That's what I mean. I watch a trial like this looks very fun, but it looks way too silly for me. <laughs> I'm just not in the mood for the silliness. They're on these weird like art heists and sort of yeah, 
capture that like find and steal these things it's like at two hours i was like this is a bit long like we probably could have cut out a couple of these in the middle that end up just being red herrings where yeah for sure they go through all this effort to achieve this thing and then they get there and the thing that they're trying to get is not actually there it's just like a clue to the next part it's like yeah we probably could have just cut a couple of these out like we didn't need three or four red herring moments yeah cool but yeah not great. Like, I think it was like a perfect Netflix film though. Like if I'd paid to see it in a cinema, I'd have been annoyed, but watching it at home on Netflix, especially with the weather we had over the weekend, like sweet. Guilt-free. Oh my God. Isn't it crap? I watched my car today, so you can hundred percent expect it to rain tonight. Yeah. It's meant to rain all week. So great fun. Oh, it's just fed up, fed up with it. Grass is growing too quick too. Oh yeah. And then you can't cut it because it's like soggy and wet. It's great. Yeah, it's a slippery, it's a slippery slope. And then, yeah, like I was doing some research on this Red Notice movie. It's produced by uh, The Rock's production company, Seven Bucks Productions. It was originally meant to be a Universal Pictures release, but then obviously the pandemic got in the way and they had to change plans and Netflix acquired the rights. So good on them. They They picked up a perfect one for the platform. Yeah, it seems perfect for Netflix. And it's performing really well. It was the most watched film over its debut weekend on Netflix. I'm not even surprised with <laughs> lead actor lineup like that. Those three lead actors are like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of people going to watch this. People love it. I don't know. What would you say is the most popular film genre in the world? Ooh. Would it be comedy? Probably. Action, I think, maybe. Yeah. Like, I would think it would be comedy or action, but, like, I think like the Fast and Furious ones, they're right up there. The Marvel ones, they're huge. Are they action or are they like action comedy? I haven't watched one in years. Are they a bit funny now? The Fast and Furious. I can't believe how popular Fast and Furious still is. They're basically superhero movies. They went to space in the last one. I think the last one I watched was maybe number three. Well, yeah. So the one after Tokyo Drift? No, well, Tokyo Drift was number three. So maybe the one after Tokyo Drift was number four. Maybe I didn't even watch that. I can't remember. But I'd watched enough by then. I was satisfied. <laughs> I don't want to undo it all. They're still enjoyable, but, yeah, they're not. They went to space. What did you say? They went to space in the latest one. Oh, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they strapped a rocket to a car and flew it to space. No way. That's it. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that franchise. They're insane now. Then you go back and watch, like, the original Triple X, and you're just like, this is a real movie. Oh, like, the original Fast and Furious was, like, so grounded and just, Based in reality, Incredible. and now they're just ridiculous off the wall. Yeah, I'm not missing much. Who's in it? That, oh, the Raider. Well, the Rock's in them now. So it's, is Vin Diesel still in them? Yeah, Rock, Vin Diesel, uh, Jason Statham. What? Really? No way. Yeah, like ridiculous cast now. Everyone's in them now. Yeah, right. Who, um, I actually seen on Sunrise, someone wants to be James Bond. Yeah, The Rock. Is it The Rock? Yeah, it was The Rock. He wants to be the next gen Bond. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not happening. Not a chance. Like, I know Daniel Craig is probably, he was like, they're definitely the hunkiest and most like jacked, so to speak, Bond ever. It's not really a typical nasty guy role like what like Statham would play. Mm, yeah, no. In like a transporter movie. It's, it's just bit of a British sleazebag sort of <laughs> vibe. Like Daniel Craig is like on the on the like the verge. 
But like, yeah, and Daniel Craig, you can get away with him. Like, yeah, he is a spy. Like he's kind of just the everyman. Whereas if the rock is a spy, they're going to notice. Like he's a giant human being. And he's not even, he's not even British. So the conversation ends there. <laughs> it would never happen. Idris, I, I know, I reckon Idris Elba is a live possibility. But then again, he's not really, because he's just a big jack boy as well, isn't he? Yeah, not overly, but yeah, like I, I think he's the best option that they have at the moment, unless they pull pull someone completely unknown out of the the water. I would honest, I'd hate to be that guy. I would like to see a female Bond at some stage. That would be really cool. I reckon. Mm, yep, it'd be a cool like spin on it. Yeah, and it would get them get them out of the bad books of like the oh, it's just a misogynist character. I always want to see Hugh Grant as a Bond. That'd be interesting, especially now that he's a bit older. And he's not really tied to one particular franchise or role, is he? Like I always think of Bridget Jones' diary when I think of him, but yep, people aren't really don't really associate that. There's some OG movies, or even Love Actually. He's probably more prominent for Love Actually, isn't he? I reckon Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, a bit of Hugh Grant, that'd be good. And then yeah, like. Just to close out, Red Notice, um, they're, they're currently pro- like in production process for two sequels, which they're planning to film back-to-back. Really? That seems excessive. Yeah, I guess. But if it was the most popular movie over the opening weekend, they'd be silly not to just make more. Money and run. But it, it's costing them a lot. Apparently, the three main actors cost over $20 million each. Oh, yeah. So there's $60 million just in three actors. Those people make money, eh? It's crazy. And then the cool part about the movie that I noticed, there's you see throughout there uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds are both seen drinking spirits and they're, they're both drinking the spirits that they own. So you see The Rock drinking Terramana tequila, Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds is drinking aviation uh, gin. It's like, oh, yeah, nice, nice little sneaky product branding placement in there. <laughs> and then there's a cool part in there as well where uh, they go to a party and the rock hands over an invitation with a QR code on it. And if you pause it, that act- that QR code actually works. No way. It takes you to an unlisted YouTube video of just the bloopers. Oh, my God. What a world we live in. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, everybody knows how to use QR codes now, so it worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's how he's funny. Oh, that's pretty cool. You should, they should have had it like a link a link to their online store for their alcohol or something. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'd get in so much trouble for that, though, because there'd be kids buying alcohol. Oh, yeah, imagine. Um, and then the last, the last movie I watched was another Dwayne Johnson joint. It's the... 2021 fantasy adventure film Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt, and Jack Whitehall, which for me is like the weirdest movie because it's based on a Disney World ride rather than a ride based on a movie. Yeah, this does ring a bell now. (laughs) Like normally you go the other way. You make the movie and then you're like, oh, that was popular. Let's make a ride at Disney. No. It gave off big Jumanji vibes. I didn't watch it, but just looking at the trailer. Very similar. So Why wasn't Kevin Hart in it? 
These people don't sleep, do they? Like The Rock. The Rock doesn't. The Rock is a madman. He's like up at three or four in the morning to train and then he works all day and then goes to bed at like 11. I'm like, what are you doing? He must just be filming like four movies at a time. He's, all, he's in everything. Yeah, he's constantly doing something. It's insane. He's got his, he's got his alcohol, he's got his energy drinks, he's got his shoes and sports line. So his workout gear too, eh? From the looks of it, he's about to return to WWE. Like, dude's all over the shop. Whatever. He must be worth a bomb. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like Jungle Cruise, they kind of rushed this one to Disney+. Plus. It did come out in cinemas for a little bit, but obviously the pandemic got in the way. So for Disney Plus Day a couple of weeks ago, they are like, yep, sweet, let's push it out and make it free on the platform. So that that's how I watched it. And uh, it's all about this captain of the riverboat played by Dwayne Johnson who leads Emily Blunt, who's a scientist, and her brother through the Amazon to try and find this mythical tree of life and features all the sort of dangers of an Amazon jungle with wild animals, the, the lost headhunter tribes, and just the danger of being lost in the Amazon on one of the random rivers that are there. But then it also injects like this weird supernatural element where, like you said, kind of felt like Jumanji, Pirates of the Caribbean type thing. Mm. Another fun, silly one with some of the worst dad joke pun moments. I was like, oh. I'm not surprised. Like that first half hour is basically just The Rock just dropping terrible puns the whole time. And again, this one's like two hours and 10 minutes or something. Definitely needed to be cut back a bit. Like this is a really long movie. That's so much. That's too much rock. So you've watched what? Four hours of The Rock. That's too much rock for anyone. And then when I was reading it, this is apparently one of the most expensive movies ever made with a $200 million budget. <laughs> what do you mean? Was that was a half of that just Rock's wage though? Probably. Between The Rock, Emily Blunt and Jack Whitehall, there was probably a, a good yeah. chunk of change and then there's a ton of CGI in it. But, like, they made their money back, which is crazy. They got in the limited run with the box office and they were also on that Disney premiere access. They made $217 million. Do they? So when movies get released now, like, obviously, historically, it's from box office, ticket sales and whatnot. Um, these days with streaming movies, is it they rely on the like Netflix buying the rights to it or how does it work? Like, do streaming numbers, can you make money off streaming numbers? With this one specifically, because it did box, like it was in the cinema, so they got box office revenue. And then when it was initially put on double, Disney double Plus dip. at the same time, it was the premiere access where I think it was like $30 to, to rent or purchase. So they would have got money from that. And then because Disney owns Disney Plus, they probably don't make any extra money out of it. But like with Red Notice, they would have got a lump sum payment from Netflix and then... Netflix just rely on, let's put out this big movie. Who cares what it cost us? Let's hope that that brings in X amount of new subscribers or gets people to renew their subscription and stay on. Yeah. I was going to say, hard to think there's that many people out there who don't have Netflix. Mm -hmm. Or then again, though, what, how many, you can have a Netflix account and add what, like three or four other accounts to it. So there's essentially only one person with an account in every four people, so to speak. 
But yeah, like you said, there'd be people cancelling and resubscribing all the time. You think, like, oh, there's nothing good been on Netflix for three months. I'll cancel it, and stuff starts getting released again, like popular things like Tiger King and whatnot. Then people are like, oh yeah, I'll subscribe again. Yeah, I think that's what they rely on. Just like, and then they have those people like me that just have it the entire time and just don't. It's a set and forget thing. Like I get Netflix and then I just don't even think about it ever again. It's yeah. I can't imagine why you wouldn't want it. Same as Spotify. Like, <laughs> like something you have to have. At least if it's there and I want to watch something, I can. Whereas I'd hate to be like, oh, I don't have Netflix this month. I've got to wait to get it again. Like, set and forget. And then they just suck in that money every month and then put it into the rocks pocket. The rocks pockets. <laughs> Give some to the rest of us, mate. Imagine what he get by earn if he went back to wrestling. Like they would just throw the book at him, I reckon. They I I guarantee Vince is throwing a Oh, the money they would make off that though, because what WWE is WWE only to watch it, you gotta have a subscription. Uh or it's on Foxtel. But like to watch the pay-per-views, you have to have their subscription. And like with AEW coming up and really pushing them in terms of um, pay-per-view numbers and ratings on TV, pretty sure Vince is throwing boatloads of cash at The Rock to get him to come back and give them a nice little bump leading into WrestleMania season this year. Yeah, I can't see why it wouldn't happen. He's just so popular still, isn't he? Oh, yeah, and, like, there, there's a pay-per-view on at the moment, Survivor Series, and from what I'm hearing, the whole show has been sponsored by Red Notice. They've even got, like, the eggs and stuff that they're trying to find in the movie on on the pay-per-view. They're constantly hyping up, like, oh, maybe The Rock coming back, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock, without ever actually having him pop up. So probably by the time we get off here, he'll have debuted back on there and, the Rock versus Roman Reigns, who's like his nephew or cousin or something. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll definitely it'll break the internet regardless. Last week I was talking to Buddy about AEW and their most recent pay per view, Full Gear, and the like jump in buyers that they had. I think it was up like seventy or eighty percent on last year. So like, and it's now their most purchased pay per view of all time. So they're on the up, and it's forcing Vince to make changes and bring back people like this to people like the rock to come back and fire them off. It's the same with absolutely everything in life. People just love nostalgia. It's such a strange feeling no matter what it is. Everything has just, everyone just wants nostalgia and that feeling of something they felt when they were growing up or no matter what it is. Yeah. I think that's where AEW has succeeded. Like AEW is like fresh new talent but it feels very much like it feels like the old attitude era WCW versus WWF days. So like it, it has that nostalgia feel, but with fresh new guys and new stories and things like that. Yeah. Nostalgia is a unique feeling in the human body. Mm-hmm. Love it. So I watch so many of the same movies over and over again. Yeah. So that's pretty much everything for the week. What would be your top recommendation? Well, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but um, Adele just dropped a new album on Friday. It's called 30, and it's very good. Okay. I want people to listen to it. Yeah, I've listened to Adele's new album, 30. It's got big, um, it's got honestly big Christmas 
vibes about it. Of course. Like all the songs sound like it, it can, you can honestly double check like three or four times while you listen to it. Like, is this, she sure this is not a Christmas album? None of the titles <laughs> got anything to do with Christmas, but none of the lyrics got anything to do with Christmas. It just feels like a Christmas album without it being a Christmas album. So, you know, like the thing with like, like Christmas songs like Mariah right, Carey and Alicia Keys and whatnot, you're like, yeah, you love them, but you hate them because they're like, every time they're played is Christmas and then they're just on constant rotation. Yeah. And you just hate it. But I think this Adele album has got those vibes without it, without it being Christmas themed. And it's just bangs. Interesting. I did not take you as an Adele fan at all. Bro, I love Adele. <laughs> Big time. I'm banging to her. Wow. Okay. This hits the spot, man. Yeah, I've been hanging for this record to drop. Um, now I'm happy with it. So I'll be giving it a big bump over the next couple of months. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a very, very Christmas person, but a bit of a Grinch, but I'll definitely be playing a bit of Adele's unofficial Christmas record over Christmas. It's been re- released at the right time. And, yeah, like we've got our Christmas episode coming up and I think we've decided on watching the new Home Alone and designing our own individualised Home Alone traps. Yeah, that got me thinking, eh? It's going to get the brain working that one. Yeah, I've, I've got some ideas for mine that that'll, that will kill someone. They're going to kill someone. <laughs> Have to keep it somewhat G-rated. So, yeah, for me, my top recommendation is Red Notice. Yeah, yeah I was easy going to say it. <laughs> it's stupid. It's a silly movie, but, like, it does everything you expect from a Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson movie. So it made me giggle and it, I had fun, so. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing, as long as we giggle and have fun. All righty, that is everything. Thank you for listening to the Commentary Booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services, YouTube, and twitch.tv forward slash Media. You can follow me on social media at Media, and you can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. Yeah. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our new magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Blake Robinson, Brian and June Hart, Courtney Paulson, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps. Mm-hmm.